HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Hardcore is a new series from Heritage Radio Network. Over six episodes, we're taking a close look at the rebirth of American cider. Really, it wasn't until about 10 years ago that cider started to be revitalized in the United States. From the science of fermentation. So yeast, it's a fungus. It's a unicellular fungus. To the magic of terroir. What really excites us is thinking about communicating that very sort of spiritual aspect of knowing a piece of land. We're setting aside our cider donuts to gain a deeper understanding of this singular beverage. I love a cider donut. You don't have to have a cider donut with your cider. And I will die on that point. Subscribe to Hardcore wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio, on this journey through culinary history. And for more than three generations of American home cooks, there's been one trusted and essential cooking Bible, as we might say, that has stood the test of time and can still be found in just about every, on just about every kitchen shelf. Joy of Cooking by Irma Rombauer, was self-published in 1931 and then commercially published in 1936. Subsequent editions were revised and updated by Irma and her daughter, Marion Rombauer Becker, throughout the 20th century, selling hundreds of thousands of copies by the end of World War II. Marion oversaw the next major edition in 63, and then her son, Ethan Becker, helped her revise the 1975 edition and oversaw the releases of the next two editions, including the 2006 75th anniversary edition. Today, there are almost 20 million copies of Joy of Cooking in print, and chances are you've got one of them on your shelf. Keeping with family tradition, the newest edition is indeed a family affair. Irma Rombauer's great-grandson, John Becker, and his wife, Megan Scott, have updated and revised the formidable cookbook, which continues its legacy for the next generation of home cooks. John grew up being influenced by his father Ethan's cooking arts, kitchen arts, and his mother's love of bold flavors. 
and he ditched his post-grad work in English literature. I assume it was English. Well, well, not not quite graduate, but yeah, I, post I, you graduated, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. you had some work <laughs> after you graduated. Okay, <laughs> but you ditched that to go into the culinary field of writing, and we're so happy you did. And then you met Megan Scott. Megan became, began her culinary education in the South and worked at a variety of food jobs before meeting John, both working on the cookbook. And that was nine years ago. And it was nine years in the making. And it comes out this next month, yes. And they are here in the studio with me today to talk about that process. John and Megan, welcome so much to A Taste of the Past. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. I gave you know, the broad stroke history of, of the book. But um, John and or, and or Megan, if you can fill us in a little bit about it too. You had mentioned um, in your acknowledgments that you owe a lot to Ann Mendelssohn for, um, for sort of giving you, filling in the gaps and giving you a lot of the history from facing the stove, the work she did on, um, on the book over the years. And I have to thank Anne also because she's a good friend. And she called me up and she said, I just got the book and I'm just going through it. You have to have them on the show. So so no. we, all, we all owe Anne a great No, absolutely. Uh, and I, I think we first met in the late 80s when I was in grade school. And yeah. she was in town to interview my mother. Uh, so, you know, we go back a little bit. Um, and luckily we've reconnected since... But yes, her her book has been instrumental to us, you know, kind of getting a historical context for uh, what we chose to take on, um, you know, in, ad- in addition to, you know, reading Anne and really trying to absorb uh, the history of the book. Of course, we've had uh, my father with plenty of anecdotes and my mother, uh, but, you know, her work was instrumental for sure. Yeah. Um, well, you never got to meet. Uh, Marianne or Irma. So that's kind of how you got to know them was through her work and through the cookbooks themselves. So Marianne was your grandmother. Correct. And Irma was your great grandmother, right? Right. Yeah. Um, And that, you know, to me, they, aside from, uh, you know, some really touching stories, you know, that I would, my father and mother would share, you know, I really, they were kind of uh, literary, literary presences to me, you know? So, um, yeah, getting to work on this book was really, um, in many ways, uh, my attempt to try to get to know them. Um, yeah, I, I feel like even if we had met, uh, I would not know them quite as well as I do, just having worked on yeah. this together. Well, it's that book that just sort of screams out at you from the shelf, you know, that big red joy. Mm-hmm. Was that was When did that first come into being on the... Publications was it the first graphic design on the cover, or was that later? Do you know? Oh, you know? the uh, well, the original cover was a, a paper cut done by Marion that it was kind of more of a it had some turquoise and uh, aqua, mm-hmm. but it was this interesting. Um, it's um, it was a scene of a the Tarasque. Yes, I know. I know yes. the cover right <laughs> that I know. Yeah, yeah I tr- think yeah. the red joy first came in in 1975, um, and then. Uh, again in 97 and in 2006 was when the big red dot was on the cover. I think the first red was the 63. Oh, okay. I think it was because I have yeah. the 63. I'm so used to seeing jacket. it without I'm, the dust jacket. I know. I'm, I'm impressed you still have your dust jacket because usually <laughs> those are not nowhere to be found. On the 63, I don't. I have to, I have to admit, 75, I do. And then I've got a nice. couple other editions floating around. <laughs> um, and this, I mean, all right, let me don't get ahead of myself here, which often happens. Why? 
Why did you decide to take this under? Well, you big know, job. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it was always made clear that I did not have to do it. I mean, my my father, I think he felt, um, you know, after his experiences with publishing the book, that he knew that it was not necessarily for everybody. Uh, a lot of kind of hard times, you know, a lot of stress, and um, so you know, at at first, I really didn't feel like I I that like that was for me. Like I didn't feel like I had anything to offer the book. Um, but you know, after, so you mentioned like some postgraduate work that I was doing, I, I ended up helping publish, uh, 17 books, uh, as an editorial assistant, uh, for a professor. And after that experience of writing and editing and all, uh, all of that, I, I don't know, uh, grad school started looking less and less, uh, um, Lucrative, I guess is the word, especially right. considering that I wanted to go for literature. And um, so I was really kind of at an impasse of what I wanted to do. Uh, and at that, at that very tender moment, uh, I came across um, Marion's dedication to the 1963 edition uh, in which, I mean, it was basically the first time that I felt personally implicated uh, by, well, somebody actually asking me to, to do the book. Uh, I think that you know, it's, I'm not going to be able to do it verbatim, but I think it was along the lines of the last, the last part of that dedication was, uh, you know, I hope my, my sons take, take on this project, um, uh, being beholden to, to no one but themselves and you, you being the readers. And, um, that really struck me. Um, and from that moment on, I pretty much changed course. Um, so when we started working for the book, uh, we kind of did an apprenticeship and my father was living uh, in the middle of nowhere in Eastern Tennessee, which was for all intents and purposes, a rural food desert, um, <laughs> which Definitely. made things extremely difficult logistically, uh, you know, cause we would, we would, so we started out testing recipes from the last edition of the book, the 2006, and, you know, we would basically create a grocery list for a week of recipe testing. So, you know, 30 or 30 or 40 recipes, uh, and then go in like on an, on an all day grocery trip to three or four stores. Um, and you know, the closest store, uh, the closest, you know, Kroger slash, you know, grocery decent, store. <laughs> decent grocery store was maybe, I think it was 45 minutes, mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, with no construction traffic yep. or anything. So, um, and God help you if you're, if you forgot anything on that grocery trip. <laughs> and yet that's pretty much the basis of the book as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of that book for, Everyone in America, mm -hmm. and many people, that's that's their daily life. You know, they they do their weekly shopping because they're not going to get back out there for a while. And your and the book really does address that. I think mm -hmm. we tried. You know, I, it wasn't obviously it was not ideal for us personally, but I think that it 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 does. Uh, it it helped, was a it useful. Us. Yeah, it was yeah. very useful to have that perspective and to know that that's how a lot of people do live. Like it's that you can't just hop out to the grocery store anytime. Well, um, Megan, you, I mean, you worked in a lot of, in a variety of, of culinary mm -hmm. uh, fields and capacities, <laughs> different things. And now you also do, you're, a culin you're the culinary director or for some, yes. some creative culinary agency. <laughs> yes, my, my title is culinary director. Um, 
Um, and mostly what I do is I just, I develop a lot of recipes and I cook a lot of food for our photo shoots. Um, so like that. that was instrumental in working on this book. Is that how you came to working on the book? Um, no, I actually, this job I've had for the past four years. And so I've been working on joy much longer. Um, but it has been really interesting practice, um, just in terms of honing my recipe development skills and getting to really try out a lot of different things on the job. Um, and it's been nice also to have as much as, as hard as it is to work two jobs, um, having a place to go outside of our home where I could do something else other than the cookbook has been really nice. I, I, um, I have to admit that I have been super jealous. It's like, you, you have coworkers. Yes. I see humans. You see other people. <laughs> and you have a little time alone to commute. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> right. exactly. Yeah, no, that, 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 that has to be rough at, at times, but you also didn't have didn't feel that heavy family responsibility, the weight that John, you talked about, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, my mantra for each day was, you know, don't mess up. (laughs) I mean, I um, think I don't, I don't have the other, (laughs) I don't have the same uh, perspective obviously as John has, but the joy of cooking was the first cookbook that I ever bought for myself when I moved out of my parents' house. Um, and it's how I learned to cook. One of my first cooking experiences with Joy of Cooking was learning how to roast a chicken. I had never done that before. I was living on my own and I had this chicken. I had no idea what to do with it. It seemed very intimidating to me at the time. And I pulled out Joy of Cooking and was able to successfully and- roast a chicken. And that experience, I think that positive experience made a real impact on me and made me want to cook more because I've I did it. I did something right and I can actually cook now. And it made me want to try new things. And so by the time I met John, I was a complete joy of cooking devotee. I love the book. Um, and I, I mean, it's a very personal project for me too. I, I don't, I've never been good at having jobs where I can disconnect from what I'm doing. I always get very emotionally invested in my jobs and joy of cooking is no exception to that. Oh. Well, as a culinary professional, it's always been on my shelf, mm-hmm. and I can't even remember when I first got, probably soon after I was married. And with all, I mean, I won't even tell you how many books there are littering my <laughs> shelves, and I do weed them out from time to time. But there's still a reason that I go back to that book. It's kind of like the, you know, the gold standard, if you will, for, wait, how now how... What temperature is the best temperature to roast that, you know, that meat at? Or, you know, what's that favorite? What's the proportions in that favorite mousse that I like to make? You know, it it may not be the my go-to book for you know for menus and, and recipes now. Well, but that's I'm not just the usual home cook, but it's it's a it's a reference book for me definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know, so many uh, so many titles have um, are just super focused or single subject or, you know, do a really good job of selling specific recipes. And we, we are there to kind of, uh, give, you know, an overview, a knowledge, you know, a knowledge base, you know, um, to be there for people when they have questions that maybe that, you know, uh, you know, slightly trend focused cookbook is, is, you know, kind of glossing over. Right. Um, and we, that's exactly what we were trying to you know, work towards like for this edition is to position our book as a supplement to the many awesome titles that are available now. I mean, you know, so many, there are so many titles out there and, um, you know, they're, most of them, you know, are, are done in a fairly short time and they have a fairly short amount of space. And so I feel like that's what we're, we're, we're here to offer is like that, yeah. that, um, 
basic knowledge mm-hmm. as well as like the yeah, in-depth it's ingredients and knowledge on go ingredients. to resource i mean how to cook a whatever you know and you'll yeah. find it um you mentioned something a, a lot of um reference material and it always did have a lot of explanations of ingredients and um you know background but that's that's something as i was looking through it that has really been expanded and i want to talk just a minute too about the format is (laughs) has been expanded (laughs) it's a much larger book not only in length but it's i like the the wider format it you know what? I can open it up on the table and it stays open. <laughs> that yes. was that was a really pleasant surprise. I mean, you know, our um, our goal, you know, our motivation for changing the trim size was to keep the thickness under control while being able to include more more material. Because you know, I mean, there are just more subjects to cover nowadays. We have right. more ingredients to choose from. We have new cooking methods to cover. We have new recipes that we would like to share. Um, but and yeah, that's what the, I wanted to ask you. What did you? Why? What did you? What? What did you do differently? What did you feel had to be redone? And aside from, and we'll get to that, the 400 recipes you added. (laughs) No, I mean, it was uh, just a bunch of tiny things, you know. I mean, they all added up to a new edition, and I think that we've changed over 50% of the material in the book. But, I mean, it really was kind of... uh, So, you know, when we we were apprenticing and uh, testing those recipes, we would create genealogies for each one to see when they were added to the book. Uh, to get more of a historical sense of it, because you know, I, I think that that's one of the things that was missing from the last two editions is that there was there was um, I just wanted to be better at you know, uh, the book being you know there there being some continuity to it, uh, to to older editions to kind of tie it back to the past, but also um, you know just see what we were dealing with. I mean, we of course we knew the book at that point, but um, you know just having that historical perspective was really important. And so that was great. That was uh, kind of gave us a really good uh, kind of historical knowledge of the book. But also, uh, we helped develop an app for the book, which basically entailed taking the 75th anniversary edition, uh, taking it apart. I mean, we basically started with Word documents, mm-hmm. and then we worked with a developer and completely built it into a different form. Uh, which involved like doing these crazy, uh, well, really interesting. I thought they were fascinating ways of cross-referencing, uh, you know, like uh, you know, relevant material to recipes and uh, and vice versa, going from the reference sections to the recipes, and all of that kind of gave us a really good sense of how the chapters fit together. All for all forty chapters fit together, and um, from then from then, I think we felt like we were we. I was like, oh yes, we. We have things to improve here. We see where there are maybe some gaps in what we cover. We see where you know there there could be room for improvement. But we also um, one one of the things we did when we were first talking about doing this edition um, before we had a contract with the publisher um, or anything, we went through the book line by line and created a huge outline of every section of every chapter, and we anything that we felt needed to be fact checked or added or taken away or things that um, we felt were missing. Um, we wrote that down in this big outline and that was how we were able to kind of break things down a little in more manageable pieces and actually start working on the revision. Well, I noticed that um, because I have several different editions, um, every now and then I'd pick up the most recent edition I have and be very frustrated because mm-hmm. 
and it, I know which edition that was, and you're, <laughs> you're smiling, and things were left out. Absolutely. Things that were, that I would always go to. And I said, because I keep one up my country house, and that was the one that was there, and I'm going, <laughs> oh, I know it's in there, you know, but, and it wasn't there. So I noticed that a lot of these recipes that had been in previous editions made it back in to this edition. Yeah, actually the so the 75th anniversary edition was basically our attempt to try to kind of uh recover if, if you will from the 90s and um yeah, so uh that edition, you know, we we kind of brought a lot of things back from the 1975 edition. Um a lot of, you know, the preserving chapters I'm sure is yeah. one of the things you're talking about. Um you know, the, the Know Your Ingredients uh, chapter was uh, a very, very slim in the 1997 edition, and we really brought that back, as well as the Cooking Methods and Techniques chapter that was expanded to its its former glory. Um, but with this edition, we really... So, you know, the 97 uh, edition, for those who don't know, it was uh, really kind of a ground-up revision, and... There was a there were a lot of contributors involved, uh, very very talented contributors I might add, but um, you know it was just a gargantuan project, and I think that um, you know just a lot got lost. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 2006 was us trying to recover, and I feel like um, you know if I if I was to compare this edition to previous ones, um, I would actually say that it's probably closest to the 1963 edition, mm. which which was Marion's first. Um, it's, you know, a kind of a changing of the guard edition where we really have tried to, you know, do a very systematic and thoughtful, uh, you know, kind of reworking of the book to be, you know, like the ultimate kitchen resource for home cooks. You well, Marion, uh, Marion kind of wanted Joy to be the American version of LaRusse Gastronomique. Right. That was her vision. And we both really love that vision. And we wanted to just really expand our coverage of ingredients and techniques and the reference information, because that's what's, I mean, recipes are great for learning how to cook specific things, but when you're learning how to cook as a practice, um, you really need to know about ingredients and techniques and methods. So we wanted, that's kind of what we were looking to when we were doing this revision was Marion's encyclopedic focus. Yeah. And I noticed that in the notes, the publisher's uh, notes, that it mentions you also include, which is now back in fashion, notes about ingredients from farm markets, from, you know, now this farm-to-table movement, right? Yeah, no. Um, so, uh, yeah, our information on ingredients, the, what we've included in this edition really does extend to uh, different varieties of mushrooms and, and uh, greens and uh, Anything know. we think people might encounter, um, I mean, you can't cover everything, but um, we've tried to expand it to include some maybe less common varieties of things like even apples, you know, like I think the yeah. last edition, the book maybe covered a handful of grocery store variety apples, which is good. And we still cover that. But we wanted to add the names of some apples that people might want to buy if they see them at a farmer's market because they're really flavorful. Which is actually a throwback to the 97 because the apple section <laughs> in that book was gigantic. Um, I mean, I feel like it was half a page's worth of, yeah. of apple varieties. So, yeah, What to throw out and what to keep. I, I mean, know. it must have been so difficult. Right? It was really a case-by-case, uh, painstaking process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting, too. I, I'll, I mean, I, as a culinary historian, I'll use cookbooks Sometimes, you know, as reference points, I'll say, well, when did this, you know, without going doing an a in-depth search um, online, I'll say, well, when did this recipe first start to appear? When did we start using this? 
And often I'll go to the older editions of Joy of Cooking because it was so inclusive. So now I was so happy to see that it's more of a of his, there's more reference for history in cooking as well. Yeah, we tried to add uh, as much context as we could without getting without it getting out of control because we obviously we cover a lot, so it's hard to it's hard to really dive deep with some of these things. But we tried. Yeah, I we have tried. A, I have a couple <laughs> things that I use, and I go and I do a check and. They were there. Hogma, okay? Oh, yes. yes. It's in there. <laughs> okay. Not many people use that outer stomach. You know, yes, tripe we hear. It's all over the place, mm-hmm. the inner lining, you know. But hogma, yeah. no, you don't you yeah. get that. And you have many uses for it in there. That's okay. So that was one of my tests. I do. I, I literally, I have these little, you know, recipes and foods. Awesome. So you, you specifically yeah. tested us on hogma. I did. That's oh, amazing. I did. That's awesome. And then you surprised me with himmel and herb. Mm-hmm. Um, the heaven and earth, oh, yeah. the, oh, yeah. the turnips yeah. and, and and mashed potatoes, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that's and parsnips. That's that is a not always called himmel und ur, but you know, it's just called mashed I, potatoes and I parsnips. Think, I feel like that might have been uh, one of Marion's additions to the book. I think maybe it was. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. And we, you know, we also talk, mention all the British specialty, <laughs> the British Isles specialties like rumble do thumps yeah, and yeah. Uh, neeps and tatties and. All those wonderful words. Wonderful. Yeah. Which is tough when you're, you know, you're reading other recipes and you want to know, well, they don't even tell you what that is. But now you can go to an American book and Mm -hmm. you get the reference to that. But but it's interesting. I think people can look at this, not have to have all the different editions, look at this edition and see, you can kind of learn a little bit about America's tastes and methods. what, What were they cooking? And, you know, because you even though you don't date anything, because it shouldn't be dated, it's never out of date, but you can tell by the ingredients and, and the dish that it's sort of an old-fashioned type, you know, dish that we mm-hmm. don't maybe not make as often. Well, yeah, you know, it's getting to know Irma and Marion, you know, we, we could definitely tell when, uh, when, a, when a recipe originated in, you know, a pre-1963 edition, because, you know, I feel like Irma had a very specific writing style, and, uh, you know, I mean, we, we tried to... I think standardized that a little bit so that um, the recipes, you know, were, you know, obviously like there, there's, there's assumed knowledge in old recipes that you can't really assume anymore. So we tried to make, make sure that uh, those things were covered in, in the recipe text. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it is interesting how you, it's like looking at the rings of a tree. Right. <laughs> exactly. You can yeah. see, you know, it travels along. Um, as far as the recipe format, that and, and you were a recipe developer, Megan, so you know you struggle through, you know, exactly getting it precise. Mm-hmm. That, well, the earlier books pretty much set the standard for that recipe format, and yes, and you pretty much stayed true to that. Yeah, yeah we, we we love really... that format. Um, exactly, <laughs> um, it's called for anyone who doesn't know, it's called the action method, um, and Irma invented it in the late '30s. It was not in the 31 edition, but it was in the 36. Or mid-30s. Uh, yeah. yeah, mid-30s. So describe for, for our listeners what, so they pick up this book and they open it. What How does that differ from any other recipe? So typically um, recipes will have the ingredients listed at the beginning, and then you'll have steps one, two, three, four, five, and so on. Um, and then you're, you're referencing, you're looking back and forth between the ingredients and the steps in the recipe. And so the action method intersperses the ingredients and the cooking method. So it might say in a medium pot, heat, uh, 
And then the next line will say two tablespoons olive oil or something like that. And, you know, we understand that there are some drawbacks to this method. um, And some people who are used to cooking with other recipe writing styles um, get a little frustrated frustrated with it. (laughs) But we love it because it means you don't have to, you know, especially if a recipe spans multiple pages, you don't have to keep flipping the page and like, oh, where's that? Okay, I'm on ingredient number five. What's ingredient number six? And like, okay, the butter is divided. So I add two tablespoons. So we, we really like it because it's kind of a narrative format for recipe writing. Well, as you said, it's like a learn-to-cook mm-hmm. recipe. It really Well, yeah, works. and you just don't have to, you don't have to keep, keep uh, going back and forth between the between the recipe list and the and the uh, directives, yeah. um, you know it's it's a little bit more difficult if you're doing your mise en place or if you're trying to put together a grocery list or if you're trying to scale a recipe. But you know it, you know the the ingredients are bolded, so yeah, I, it's and not indented. Dif- I feel it's like, yeah, difficult. Right. Yeah, if you can, if you read the if you read through the recipe once, it is it's just a much better much better um, yeah. tech, yeah. you know. Format, I well, think. I have a couple more questions for you, and uh, certainly want to talk about your new additions that you decided to to add to this book. So we're going to take a short break. So stay tuned, and we'll be talking more with John Becker and Megan Scott about the joy of cooking. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we are back. That that was nice and quick. Um, As mentioned, we are talking with John Becker, the great-grandson of Irma Becker, Irma Rombauer Becker. Er, er, Irma Irma Rombauer. (laughs) And his grandmother, Marion Rombauer Becker. Let's get these names straight. It's a a long history. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) But, and Megan Scott. um, So, how long after starting working on this book together did you decide that you were meant to be together? Well, we oh, actually well. started <laughs> dating before we ever started working on the book. Ah, okay. Um, it's an interesting story. Um, well, I think it's kind of cute. But um, I was actually working at a, a bakery in Asheville, North Carolina, and um, I was talking with a coworker of mine about how much I love the joy of cooking. And he said, well, don't you know that the guy whose family wrote The Joy of Cooking works at that coffee shop down the street? 
And I was like, that's, there's just no way that's true. And so I immediately after my shift, I went down to that coffee shop, which I had been going to, um, for a long time to do write papers and read. Um, and I asked the barista if he knew anything about that. And it happened to be John who was working behind the counter and he kind of blushed and then said, that's me, that's my family. Um, and I just thought that was the most amazing thing, but we had had a few other interactions before that. And so I, I finally decided that, um, I felt like he was never going to ask me out on a date. So I asked him out on a date. Um, and that that's how it all started. Um, <laughs> and I guess that later that year, we, we both decided to start apprenticing, working for the family. Um, and then we got married in 2012. So a couple years later, yeah, a couple years later, but it took, but it was a nine year process, right? That's yes. More yeah, or less. I mean, and, yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, you know, when we were starting to work on the book, we didn't really have the revision specifically in mind. Of course we knew that like eventually these notes would be useful, uh, and our, our changes, the recipes that we were testing would be useful. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was only until after the developing the app that we really were like, okay, this is, this is, we could do this. <laughs> but I do think that those years we spent doing the recipe testing from the older editions and, um, you know, reading Anne's book and just learning about the history of joy, those years were really important for um, us kind of internalizing the book. I don't think we would have been able to start this revision if we didn't have that kind of foundation. All right. That's, that's, that's very interesting. Um, the, certainly when you, when you were embarking on this, you probably had to realize, well, wait a minute, tastes change. People are cooking differently. They live differently. They're different. Family makeups are different. Um, considering things like vegetarianism, um, mm -hmm. international cuisines, there, there's quite a bit of international uh, cuisine included in this book as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Or like, well, I guess basically, what did you add? What's new? Yeah, I mean, we when we were approaching this revision, um, we really, you know, we feel like the kind of makeup of American society has just changed. Like, um, people are eating all kinds of things. There are so many different cultures living in America and kind of making um, their own foods. And we wanted to celebrate and include that. Um, and also, we just really love to eat a lot of these foods. Like, we yeah, grew we, up eating... We, we gravitate towards these things, and I think a lot of people that are my age and your age, mm -hmm. uh, we're 10 years apart. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I feel like, you know, bridging generations a tiny bit, but... Um, yeah, I feel like uh, everybody, more everybody's, yeah. everybody's more adventurous. Everybody's, um, you know, just more comfortable with, you know, moving beyond, say, like the standard, like, mm -hmm. pad thai or whatever. You know, we, we wanted to not only do more, you know, do justice to the recipes that were included previously, like for pad thai and, um, you know, lo mein and, and whatnot. But we also, you know, we just wanted to expand the repertoire because we think that people are ready to move beyond those those really basic, not basic, but uh, kind of uh, mainstreamed dishes. Sure. And, um, but yeah, most of it was just based on things that we're excited about. Things um, that we like to eat. Things that we really, really like to eat. And that we've sort of developed recipes for so we can cook them at home. That way, and that's so important. I mean, people, well, as you say, your age, young people going out, um, uh, live in a very busy work um, area, and lunchtime comes, which is usually around 2 o'clock for a lot of people, I don't know. You know, the lunchtime comes, and 
poof, the streets are filled with all of these young people going to grab their lunch. Now, when I say grab, it's going to be a green bowl. Yes. <laughs> or a rice bowl or some international, you know, something or other. And and it's interesting that, that yeah, you come home and you say, well, gee, I really like grain bowls. Now, how do I make one of these? Mm-hmm. And you've got such an expanded um, inclusion of, of things like that, of grains and beans. And, Absolutely. And yeah. yeah, and we think people are cooking. I mean, I'm a millennial, um, so I, I notice a lot of my peers just cooking more um, plant focused, um, right. more vegetable focused, not, not even necessarily vegetarian, although that is certainly on the rise, but people just are just more interested in cooking vegetables and meat is kind of a smaller part of the equation for a lot of folks. All right. Finally moving, trying to move that to the side of the plate mm-hmm. not the center of the plate so much anymore. Um, it's, Anything as far as new recipes, is this base, This is pretty much what makes up a lot of the new recipes? Or is this? Um, yeah, I mean, there are some uh, American classics, you know, regional American classics that we felt were missing. That uh, Some of them were just like, oh, my God, I cannot believe we did not have that recipe. Yeah, so like uh, what? So like, uh, so gooey butter cake, for instance, is a St. Louis specialty. And, you know, and Irma, I can't Irma, believe there was never a recipe that in the book. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That um, buckeyes, you know, I, buckeyes from Ohio. Uh, an Ohio candy <laughs> or um, a confection. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah, I I mean my, my father spent his entire life you know spent a lot a large proportion of his life in uh, in Ohio and yet we don't have that um, Chicago deep dish pizza. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. My I mean I I can remember. Uh, my father and like taking everybody in the office out to get Chicago deep dish pizza and yet somehow it never ended up in the book despite the fact that it's a lot e- <laughs> generally speaking it's a lot easier to make than you know Neapolitan style pizza right. or mm-hmm. it's like okay we've got to have that or grandma style pizza you mm-hmm. know um, some of those kind of homier styles yeah yeah, yeah. interesting uh, so American classics you think you'd think that everything under the sun had been included you know, <laughs> right <laughs> Right. You found something that wasn't there. <laughs> That's called really doing some deep dive research. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Um, the illustrations. It's. It, are they any of the same old illustrations? I know there's still the pencil. The, you know, the ink. The ink and ink drawings. Yeah. So uh, the uh, the, illust- the illustrator who worked on the previous edition of Joy, uh, the 2006, he came back. He was luckily he was available to you know, kind of supplement what he had already done. You know, we wanted to have some things changed around. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have some things changed around and, um, you know, add a few more, you know, a several, like maybe a dozen. 80. I think we added like 80 new. We added 80. New line drawings. I was, I was way off. Uh, They're small, they're smaller, which is, you know, it's nice. Except when they need to be a little bigger because you need to see a process or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but we also included um, each chapter heading now has a, a paper cut that was done by, uh, they Anna were done Bruns. by Anna Bruns. They're fantastic. And we were trying to hearken back to Marion who did uh, paper cuts for the original, uh, for the original 1931 edition, as well as I think her paper cuts were included up until the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we thought that was a kind of a nice, not to that. I, I really enjoy Marianne's paper cuts, and I thought that it was a, it was a worth worthwhile bringing that back. Yeah, interesting. I think that's great. Uh, is it true that there's an ebook? You said you developed an app for the book, but is it published as an ebook as well? <clears throat> yeah, the the or new will ed- be? 
the new edition will be published as an ebook. Unfortunately, uh, the app developer that we worked with is no longer no longer doing new projects. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of work, and uh, I think that we built a really good product. But you know, it was in the end, we think that an ebook is probably like the more realistic, insane way to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, ebooks are built for narratives. You know, I, I feel like they're they're optimized for novels yeah. or uh, narrative nonfiction. With cookbooks, it's a little, you know, there's a little bit of impro- there's room for improvement, shall we yeah. say? I, I mean, I can't imagine using this. Oh, I know it's such a, a huge as an book. ebook, right? I mean, I know they have all these added uh, parts to an ebook where you can skip from one recipe and ref- refer back to you know, refer to a, you know, you're making a cake, refer to this frosting. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. well, back will, and forth. But that, that will be worth the price of admission alone, I think, because we do we do have uh, extensive cross referencing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and plus, you know, accessibility issues, you, making a type larger, I think that that's a big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, we haven't actually seen the ebook yet. I'm, I'm curious no, yeah. to see what it looks like. So that's, I mean, that, I think, especially addressing a whole new generation of cooks, and, mm-hmm. you know, young cooks and eaters. And I, I think it's interesting, though. I've, I feel like a lot of my peers really love to hold, they want a physical book, yeah. um, which is interesting because I think, uh, at least in terms of cookbooks, um, I think um, novels people I know are more likely to use an ebook, but for cookbooks they want to have a physical object. Yeah. Um, and I don't know why that is. I think it's par- probably a little easier to use a cookbook that's an actual book. Yeah, I mean, you um, know, you don't worry about bringing it into the kitchen near the stove yeah, so much exactly. as you do your, you know, Kindle or you know your computer. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's interesting because the my food history reference books and cookbooks I have to have in hard copy. Well, often too, you have to have two or three open at the same time. Yes. You know, in cookbooks, I'll do that. I'll, you know, get the same recipe out of three books and extrapolate the best ingredients from each one and put it together. Mm-hmm. And not with the joy of cooking. It's always the <laughs> Everything is right. It's, it's oh, right no. there. We, we have no, we have, we're realists when it comes to people riffing on recipes. I mean, we, we expect that and we applaud it and embrace it. As, I mean, you know, baking recipes, you, you might want to be a little careful, but, right. uh, you know, I, I, I feel like recipes are there to be, to be, uh, consulted, not right, not followed. Absolutely, I I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Except as you said, baking, mm-hmm. that's more chemistry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to you have to be you know have some experience under under your belt to really you know mess with baking recipes. Right. So, did you get the family okay on your final copy? Was it? Yeah, no. Uh, Ethan, uh, we've been in contact with him throughout this entire revision, and so you know if if we felt like we were. Um, we keep on using the word desecrate. I'm not sure if that's right. <laughs> uh, but, you, you know, if... You weren't holding up the legacy of the, of the yeah. material. Then, yeah. Well, right. If there was a particular recipe that seemed like it was, uh, you know, kind of a family heirloom situation, we we ran by uh, ran revisions by him just to make sure that he was okay with it. That can kind of you thing. think of any... Uh, I'm going to hate to throw this out to you, like that, but can you think of any that you would consider really that were family heirloom recipes? Um, well, okay, yeah, sure. The well, for one thing, the apple strudel. There's, there's this really, uh, it's a recipe that defies categoriz- categorization. I think I'm getting the name right. It's the apple souffle cake cocaine. Oh, sour cream uh, apple souffle cake cocaine. That's it. <laughs> All right, now that's something I definitely wanted to ask you about because I learned it for the first time um, in I don't know. I guess 
I don't know if it's in the notes from the publisher or if, or if I just happened to open the book and and read it. Explain what co- cocaine is. Cocaine. Cocaine. Ganya is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because it's been in the books forever. There's always a recipe, and it just makes it sound special in French. However, it has a special meaning, right? It does, yeah. So in the 1960s, I think that's when Marion started using it. But um, they, so Marion and her husband John, who also had a very large part in the, the 63 edition and the 75 edition, um, kind of helping with uh, voice and uh, you know adding like little, little jokes and you know stylish flourishes. Um, they lived in a place at, at, on uh, eight acres in uh, Cincinnati. What it, at that time was farmland. Uh, they built a. So he was a, John was an architect and he designed and built a uh, a Bauhaus style uh, residence that was um, it was fantastic. I spent my summers there when I was a kid and um, just a really really nice place. Very very light. Let in a lot of light. Just really nice and airy. So they called it cocaine. Uh, cocaine is, uh, it comes from the medieval French. It uh, is supposed to be a mythical land where uh, roasted fowl walk around asking to be eaten. And, uh, you <laughs> the know, rivers like, run with wine. Yeah. Everyone's fat and happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always relate it to a chicken recipe. I think that was in, that was always called, you know, that had that name in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Marianne uh, gave anything that she, well, if she wanted to say something was special special to her, she would use she would use that as well as anything that she really, de- you know, was proud of that she developed in uh, in the kitchen at at, at Cockane. So, so then you knew that it had her special imprint on it. it was, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So now when you look through those recipes and you see that it's a souffle cocaine, you know that <laughs> that was a special one that she helped develop. So did you change? You, did you mess with those at all? I mean, you we know, did we... not change the apple souffle cake at all. Um, and that recipe is a, a bit strange. The method is a bit strange because you, if I remember correctly, you are, you're sauteing apples and then you add like an egg yolk mixture directly to the skillet that you're sauteing. It seems wrong, but it works really well. Um, and that one dates to Irma's grandmother. Yeah, that one's so that's very like, old. Wow. That is pretty much like the oldest recipe that, um, that we could trace back um, to like, you know, the old country. Um, but then, like, sour broughton um, is an example of one that's been in the book for a very long time that we did make some small changes yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, we changed the marinade, and also, um, I guess that Irma was, Ir- Irma and Marion were kind of down on adding crushed ginger snaps, but that's pretty, um, it's a pretty classic addition to put into sour broughton. So we, I, I had to call, I had to call dad on that one. <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, yeah. put that in. Yeah. Did that happen often? Not too often, and and when it did happen, it was usually like, wow, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he really even didn't. I mean, I don't think, and there wasn't much that was really sacred for him, um, which was good because we wanted to. I mean, we we do value those old recipes, but if there was something we felt like we could improve, we wanted to do so. We didn't want to just keep it the way it was, for the sake of history. We right. wanted to make it as good as it could be. Oh, that's interesting. I do, I do remember he. There was a weird coleslaw that recipe that he contributed. That he insisted that it be. It's like, can this be shredded? And he was like, no, this has to be square dice. Yeah, you cannot shred the cabbage. <laughs> it was like, okay, all right, all right. a little higher in the yeah, books. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, people do. You know, they they cook differently. Um, you 
mentioned that um, they had some jokes and laughs. You could read it in the in the past editions. And then this one, it's said that you, it's written with more of a contemporary voice. How do you feel that plays out? Where where do you how do you find that? I don't know. Well, I mean, I, the entertaining chapter is definitely where I think that we we have a much more modern take on that. I think where we. Just, you know, pretty much tell people, yeah, I think that the best advice that we can give is to try to set yourself up for success and try not to panic. And by all means, ask your friends for help. You know, like, you know, like potlucks, they exist and they're popular for a reason. <laughs> right. Um, but I think we also, we wanted to bring back some of that conversational um, style that Irma and Marion did so well, um, but we didn't want to try to mimic their voice because we felt like that would be inauthentic. Um, so we wanted to just inject a little bit of our own sense of humor and we kind of put some little Easter eggs throughout the book that, you know, it, it's a big book and if someone's taking the time to read it, we want them to find some joy in those little Easter eggs that we yeah. have stuck throughout. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah, Anne was, uh, <laughs> Anne was, emailed me recently Ann Mendelson emailed me recently and was like I really like the the Jeeves and Wooster uh, reference you have in the co- in the cockaliki soup head note but, you know just like little quirky things yeah. that, you know they mean something to us and hopefully they you know hopefully someone will chuckle at it <laughs> <laughs> well I haven't read the whole book but just in, in leafing through and trying to find you know different recipes that maybe I recognize or something that's new it just I You've done a wonderful job. It is. Thank it's you just so a, much. Thank you. It's a it's a pleasure to read. It brings joy to cooking, <laughs> as it <laughs> should. Yes, absolutely. It really does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, so. This is how many editions are there total? This will be the ninth. Uh, there were ninth two. In, there were two in the forties. <laughs> Sometimes we they're counted as two. One of them had the wartime rationing yeah. information, and then then the nineteen forty six edition got rid of that because. You know, maybe it was an unpleasant reminder of rationing. I don't know. Anyways. Oh, well. So sometimes those are counted as two, but yeah, it's nine. But that's historic, too. I mean, we mm-hmm. like to look at those, you know. <clears throat> that's important. Absolutely. So it's nice that, that there is the nod to, you know, to the history in there. And when you said the entertaining, you made it more casual. I have to tell you, that's, you know, that was a good reference point to say, how do you set a formal table, you know? Yeah. Where we, does that extra spoon go? <laughs> we actually did keep that, but with, I think I had kind of a cheeky introduction to that section. It's, you know, for those who wish to recreate the table of a bygone age. <laughs> Let's say, here Thanksgiving. Yes, Thanksgiving, <laughs> right. exactly. Right. Count the days. Right? <laughs> yeah, but just uh, the charger plates and all of that right. stuff. Oh, yeah, there's right. a lot. Like, a wow. lot of dishes that I think, I mean, we don't we don't have those kinds of dishes or that kind of silverware. Or Yeah, I mean, if you've inherited all of that, all of that tableware, you know, more power to you, please. Use, it. use it. it. Use it yeah. creatively. Use right? It. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, congratulations to both of you. It's a, a job well done. And I just can't wait for, you know, for people's reactions to it and see how, you know, I just, as I say, I just love opening it up and letting it sit there. It just yes. sits so nicely. Yeah, no, I, I, the, the, the fact that it lays flat was definitely yes. like a, a good a good mm-hmm. plus. With its red ribbons. Yeah, it still has its red ghost it green does. ribbon. That's right. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me about it and sharing with our listeners on A Taste of the Past. It is indeed A Taste of the Past updated <laughs> to the modern world. A joy of cooking. John Becker and Megan Scott, thank you so much. And thank you for listening. This has been A Taste of the Past. Thank you. Good. Thank you. A Taste of the Past is powered by Simplecast. 
Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.